Worship and praise the Lamb in spirit and in truth. We're blessed people tonight. We want to remember, uh, continue to remember Sister Shirley and, and her request tonight. She's still not feeling well, and I think she's got to have a, a tooth pulled or something in the morning. So let's just remember her, and then we'll continue to remember Sister Vicky and Brother Ron in our prayers. And I'm sure there's other needs tonight. If you just make those known by that lifted hand, God sees what we have need of in the service tonight. church tonight. Come have your needs met tonight. If you didn't, we're wasting our times. But if we're here, God will be here for us. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, we love you, Lord. Lord, we so appreciate you. Lord, we look down through our lives and we have so much to worship you for tonight, Lord. We have so many miracles in each one of our lives, Lord. So many times that you moved on the scene, it seems like at the last moment, and took control, whether it be a sickness, Lord, whether it be a desire, a need in our lives, wisdom, Lord, you was always there. Lord, we ask you tonight to be with us once again, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to take control of this service, Lord, to move down the aisles of every service, Lord, and Lord, touch every need of every heart. Lord, you see the unspoken as they would raise their hands, raise their heart, Lift their eyes to you and say, Lord, you know my need. Lord, we ask you to touch each and every one of them, Lord. Touch the request, Sister Shirley, Sister Vicki, Brother Ron, the several others, Lord. Would you hold them up in your hands tonight in a special way? Would you bless them with strength and healing virtue, Lord? Lord, would you be with Brother Mark, Lord? Be with the musicians. Lord, help them to lead us in such a way to create an atmosphere of worship here, Lord, that we can forget about the things of the world, forget about all the enemy is trying to hinder, and that, Lord, we can get away and get alone with you. Lord, touch our pastor tonight as he brings the word, Lord. Lord, we desire to hear from you. Lord, would you move through his vessel, Lord, and speak to us in a mighty way. 
Lord, we give you honor. We give you praise. In thy loving name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. From this world of fear, kind of getting tired of living here. I want to go home where the winds of sorrow never blow. Far from the shadow of the tomb, far from the sadness and the gloom. I want to go home where life demands my tattered soul. All getting ready today. Tomorrow, gonna say goodbye to earthly sorrow. I'm looking for a mansion fair. I see the light. I'm almost there. I wanna go home when life is through. Moving up to heaven where dreams. I get thrilled just thinking about the glory we will share. I want to see loved ones who are gone. I want to see the king upon his throne. I'll never return to this old life when I get there. Get ready today. Moving out tomorrow.
own son is going to be the leading one at that meeting. Well, there are some things, oh, I testify tonight. My God is real. I can feel him in my soul tonight. Amen. 
And I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. And he gets sweeter and sweeter as the day. Speaking of falling back in love with him, go back to our first love.
singing. Praise the Lord. We'll let you have your seats tonight and have our ushers to come and receive the evening offering. You just give to the Lord. I know he'll bless you. Sister Tracy White is watching tonight. I'm sorry, Tracy Ball. Why did I say Tracy White? This eye must be affecting my brain. Uh, but we want to wish Sister Tracy Ball a very special happy birthday tonight, Amen. Sister Tracy. Lord bless you tonight. Amen. Sister Audrey, would you come song for us tonight and sing Come on, come ahead tonight, if you will, and sing for us. fear is so heavy and burdened 
just hold on, helps right on time. My Jesus, he's always on time. And though you may see a valley, he And lead and guide us and direct us when we don't have no idea where we're taking our next step. He knows. I'm so thankful he knows my name. He knows every step that I take, every move that I make. 
I'm so thankful. Let's stand together tonight as we invite our pastor. And I totally changed this on the technician so they can catch up with me. Blessed to be here tonight where the table is spread and the saints of God are fed. So let's sing this together if you will. Oh, Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. He invites his chosen people come and dine. With his manna he does feed. He supplies our every need. Oh, Jesus. again worship Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. Certainly appreciate our musicians. And if I may go right straight into the scriptures uh, this evening, Genesis chapter 18 again. We're back in series, family. Part 6, Genesis chapter 6, verses 16, or 18 rather, I'm sorry. This is the per perfect setting here of uh, uh, Sodom here where God came to investigate what was happening in this gross city. And um, these men met with Abraham in verses 16. And the man arose up from hence and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, 
and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children. What a revelation. Does God have this revelation about you? That you will command your children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of. Notice now that this was before Abraham even received Isaac, that God was saying that I have this revelation of Abraham that he will, and the word command there was suava in the Hebrew, meaning give order to his family. Before Abraham actually even had a family, we understand through a different bedding ground, he had a son, Ishmael, by Hagar, but not through the true lineage and promise of Almighty God. And this is a revelation that God had of this man. I thought this was very incredible this uh, evening as I uh, take notice and look into this passage that God by foreknowledge can see Abraham's path and the things that he would do in life. Before Abraham even started a family and became a father of, of many nations and had many, many children, many sons and such like, God decreed this wonderful thing about him. You know, God can see all things and know all things in our lives. In the book of Joshua 24 and 14 again. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. For it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord. Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served were on the other side of the flood or the, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land he dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. What an ultimate decision made there by, uh, by Joshua to serve the Lord, regardless of what the entire nation would do. Hebrews uh, chapter 11. And I just want to put these scriptures back in place so I can build again. Hebrews 11 and 7, the faith chapter, the journey of faith. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he commanded, commanded the, condemned the rather the world, and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world. I want to continue on this evening in our uh, Wednesday evening teachings, and I trust that uh, somehow you're grasping truths as we go along in this lesson. There's just so much to, to speak of when it comes uh, to the family and uh, so many different uh, avenues and areas 
of life itself that, you know, it's, it's a vast subject. The family itself is a vast subject. It's not just a, a husband and a wife and children and, and it's an entire circle of life itself. It's consisted of a lot of things and, and uh, we, we're going to talk a lot about this, the Lord helping us in probably a few months ahead of us, but we'll just see how the Lord will lead us. If you have a need, would you just bow your heads with me and slip your hands up, and I want to pray with you. Our Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for your amazing grace to us, Lord. We pray, God, that you'll speak to us once again as we have read your word, which is truth. My heart desires truth, Lord. I want to, I want to serve you by truth, because I believe when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will lead us and guide us into all truths. And I believe he has come, Lord. He is come and revealing truth to us. We pray, God, that you'll help us this evening as we have turned the pages of your word. May the teaching tonight be inspiring and quickening to our hearts. As David cried out, quicken thou me, Lord. Give me Zoe life, Lord Jesus. Have your way in the service tonight, I pray. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and the church says. Amen. God bless you. You may be uh, seated tonight. And uh, we went back there and we were uh, looking at uh, some of these um, phrases and terminologies that we have been on for the last uh, five Wednesday evenings. And there's just so much material that I have that I like to get across to you, but then I get uh, sort of... uh, uh, Sided by the Holy Spirit to go down certain avenues, so we're not in a hurry. We'll just preach until the rapture comes, if that's, if that's all right. Just take our time and just take segments and just bring truth to you as we go along, uh, because there's just so much that God wants us to know this evening. Now, we understand by the Hebrew terminology that uh, house here in the Hebrew, as we said last Wednesday evening, the, the Hebrew origin is by it interpreted as household or family. So God was saying here to Abraham that uh, I, uh, he will command his household, his family to uh, uh, come in the right order of God uh, uh, tonight. Now, when you look back in the Old Testament and You begin to read from Genesis on through the first five books written by Moses. Uh, They're so strategically put together. Everything is just put so, uh, so perfectly together as far as God is concerned. It's actually considered the five detailed books of the Old Testament. Everything that God was telling Moses from the time that he met him up on Mount Sinai to giving him the description of the tabernacle to build on earth. And if you'll read it, how every detail is so particular. Even when he established the uh, tabernacle that he saw on Mount Sinai, when he went into 
the furniture, how each was so detailed down to the sacrifice and how the sacrifice is to be, uh, to be offered and how the priest is to be dressed and his garments, the attire and the congregation. And, and you, be, you can springboard from Genesis on down to Deuteronomy. And you notice the entire mind of God as he speaks to Moses. It is so detailed. It is so detailed. And I'm saying all that to let you know that because the God that we serve is a God of detail. He's a God of order and discipline. He's a God of ordinance. And he expects that nature to be carried out in you and I as Christians uh, tonight. Of all people upon the earth and segments of people of tradition and culture and religion. I want to say that the Christian life must be a life that is most detailed and disciplined. Because they possess the very nature of Almighty God. So we notice now that we're speaking of household and family. Fathers and mothers bringing godly discipline, order, conduct, and functionality to their families. Now we're witnessing a, a broad spectrum of dysfunctional families in our nation and also in our churches. And I'm not speaking particularly to this church as I am broadly across, uh, across the, the church world and the nation as it stands. But we're seeing such a, a dysfunctional uh, a, a area of dysfunctionality amongst family as it stands. And even though we have been blessed with a great message from God in this hour, it does not exclude us. And repel us from the spirit that is moving in the churches and in this dimension, this age that we are in. And I believe as people of God, it behooves us to be, to be wise and to have our minds sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. Being watchful and sober every day. I believe even Paul spoke of that and he said for us to walk circumspectly before the Lord. Now dysfunctional families are fertile grounds for neglect, abuse, secrecy, addiction, or denial. And we're seeing these things just not in the traditional American families, but we are seeing these areas beginning to manifest within the church. Simply because there are many families who, have, uh, who came out of a dysfunctional family. Whether it is uh, neglect or abuse or secrecy or addictions or denial or rejections and, and, and anxieties and fear that has been built up. We understand that those things are in our mechanism, in our spirits. And even though that we are Christians today... If, uh, if those areas are not treated by the Holy Spirit correctly through godly teachings, then those things have a tendency of surfacing in our lives and affect the next generation. Are you with me? Now, in these family systems, we understand that children's emotional needs go unmet because the parents' needs 
takes a precedence. We're, we're living in an age where it is a very selfish age now. The media is showing us these things. We are, we're seeing these things all around us. We're seeing how it is affecting the minds of us as people of God, whether it's through the media, the news, the radio. Everything is bombarding our minds to become more self-sufficient and to ourselves. So we understand that it is so easy for parents to become self-centered uh, to a place to where they ignore the needs that is within their families. And it's easily done because there's so many distractions out there to, uh, to grab our attention and pull us away from the immediate needs in our lives as parents, grandparents, and leaders of God's church. It, it is... It is uh, 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 Narcissism has actually become a religion in this age. Narcissism is a religion. Is a, it is a self-centered thing that has become a spirit in this age. To become narcissists in this generation. And we're seeing the spirit that is impacting the churches today to where people now are so self-centered upon their needs. And I don't think it's so much so that they want to be selfish, but the age as the age that we live in and the generation that we live in are pushing these things uh, before our, our families. So understand that uh, tonight that no no parent is perfect, but we understand that in dysfunctional families, the problems in the household are ignored or denied. It is so easy in a dysfunctional family to, uh, to um, ignore or deny problems that should be at the front. It is so easy to, uh, to, to brush it away or sweep it under the rug, but I, I want you to understand that problems have a way of resurfacing. If it is not dealt with uh, and, and treated with the right spiritual medication, it has a way of coming back. We can prove that in the Old Testament that when the Israelites did not deal with certain specific sins, that that sin had a way of resurfacing back in the next generation. And so it is physically in our families that when problems are not thoroughly dealt with and treated in the right way under the leadership of God, then it has a way of just resurfacing in our lives. Are you with me tonight? So we understand that children who dare to raise issues uh, may sometimes be shamed or punished and uh, leading them to deny their own uh, perceptions of reality and suffer from low self-worth in their lives. Look, I just read today uh, in, in the news, I believe it was in the, the spotlight news uh, of America, teenage, uh, teenage girls uh, are not okay. That many of them are turning towards perversion because 
Their minds have been so bombarded with negative things. And we're seeing the effect of these things that are happening uh, because of neglect and things being taken care of that is affecting the generation before us. Are you with me tonight? It's producing anxiety, terrible anxiety and sadness, uh, complexity of mental health challenges in this generation. This is just in today's headlight, spotlight news just surfaced this evening right before I left the house. My phone notified me. I looked at it. I thought, what a world we live in now that we see a generation that's suffering, that many of them teenagers up to the age of 20 and younger are suffering from mental disorder in our generation. And I think what is happening is a lack of uh, uh, the right and proper order and teaching uh, teachings within our family. But we see this that... Uh, it is so sad to see a family suffer from low self-worth. You speak to almost any teenager, not just out in the world, but this church and other churches, and they'll tell you that I don't feel important enough. I've got complexes. I've got, I've got, uh, I've got, I, I don't feel like I have self-worth. Uh, I don't feel like I'm, I'm worth, I'm worth anything. I, I feel like everybody is better than me. And, and all these various things happen. You know why? Because uh, you see, Satan knows how to place us under those uh, curses. You see, with the help of God, parents can help break the vicious cycle of dysfunctionality in their families uh, tonight. I believe we left off last uh, uh, last week where we were talking about parents and, and having that godly intuition inside of us as uh, mortals. God has given us that. Not just for a mother or a father, but God give us all that natural intuition inside of us that we can sense when danger is coming to us. We pick up and we feel the uneasiness of something is not right. We feel that pain deep down in our guts, so to speak, when there's dangers that is lurking our lives and our families. We understand that born-again females are more sensitive to the human spirits than most male as we know it today. We see all these things happening and we see all these things happening amongst us and we wonder sometime why uh, things are going in the direction that is going. But we know that the Lord is in control. But we understand that a mother possesses certain quality that is beyond any quality that you can uh, ever think of. That God gave that mother that instinct inside of her to know danger, to know right and wrong for her family. And you know, that is not something that you can turn off or turn on. It's always there. Simply because your family are grown, they're out of your house, doesn't mean that that area of your life is deactivated. It is there and God placed it there. I told you oftentimes, Brother Greg, you can testify. You have this gut feeling inside. I need to call such and such. 
I need to call my son. I need to call my daughter and, and friends. I'll tell you, sometimes they think that we are sidekicks. But it's that God-given instinct that's on the inside that just prompts you to do that certain thing. You realize that? It's a God-given instinct. I remember many times going down the road. Mom always caught me when I'm driving to the church and my phone will ring and I'll be under such a heavy load and just so heavy. At the time, I don't really want to talk to anybody. And I'll see the phone ring and it says, Mama. And I knew she was on my trail. The moment I answer is, how are you doing? Say, I'm doing good. No, you're not. I can tell from your spirit there something is heavy down on the inside of you. Friends, I'm telling you, we need to put God's gift to use today. Hallelujah. So with God's help, I believe that we can all be where God wants us to be. And parents have that natural intuition from God a quick and ready insight. It's, it's so natural. It is, it is so, you, you, don't, you don't think about it. You know it. And you can testify tonight that nine times out of ten when it is ignored, then you know when the circumstances arise, you can almost tell the time, the day, the minute, and the second that it happened. You know why? Because it is God's word. God actually Built that inside of you. You realize that? Mothers have that natural intuition from God. She's built with a natural inclination to be perceptive of her surroundings. And you hear people say, I have a gut feelings. You know, that's actually Bible. That, that's, that's in your Bible. I have a gut feelings. The Bible actually teaches this. In Jeremiah chapter 17 and verses 10. Let me take you there quickly. Jeremiah 17 and 10. As you look there with me. I the Lord searched the heart and tried the reins even to give every man according to his ways. According to the fruits, fruit of his doing. Now the word for rain is translated in the Hebrew is literally kidneys or organs. And the more literal modern translation could be I the Lord search the heart and examine the gut of humanity. You see that that natural God-given feeling inside, that sudden pain or you feel sick at your stomach. It is God's way to prompt us and to let us know what's happening in our lives. You see, the Jewish cuts, uh, culture at the time when this was written, the Jewish culture at that time believed that the gut or the kidney area, more specifically, was the source of thoughts. It was the source of thoughts. Together with the heart feelings, the gut in Hebrew uh, refers to all the inward parts of a person. And there are many scriptures this evening that speaks of the inward parts. And we know from the message of the hour that the soul, uh, the that the soul resides 
in the middle of the heart. And Brother Brown actually tells us that. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That little compartment, the center of the heart is, uh, is where the soul dwells. And we know this. This is the seat of all spirituality. That God can speak to every one of us by a natural prompting in our spirits. It's so, it's so wonderful when you, when you look at scriptures and see how God's word can never fail. That God leaves everything in there for us to understand what he's doing uh, for us. So you understand in our spirits are very much connected to the same uh, part of us where our feelings and thoughts resides tonight. And a mother's gut feeling is real. I want you to know that. Uh, your, uh, your, your, your maternal intuition kicks in and you feel, uh, you feel it actually in your gut. Excuse me for using it, but you feel it in your gut. A mother's intuition is a gift of God. Perhaps a chest pain or, or ache in your intestinal. You feel that from Almighty God. How many of you ever felt that? You feel like, oh, you know what? I just feel like I'm going to throw up. I feel like my, my chest, my intestines actually hurting me. This is what the Bible says. It talks about these things where our God equips us with these areas within our lives. And to think that the world can deny it. And they try to deny God's uh, motherly instinct or a fatherly instinct for a, a family, a household, the head of the house. You see, we understand that God knows exactly uh, how to gift us to walk through this life. I want to say to you young people, mothers and fathers and, and grown adults, that uh, God is a God... Uh, a great father who's over his family. And he equips us with the necessary things we had need of so that we can journey in this life and pass this life uh, uh, as a test and come out victorious as people of God in this age. I want to say to you, mothers and fathers, uh, I nourish that feeling that God has placed within you. And trust those uh, those promptings from the Holy Spirit. When there are areas of your lives or decisions that has to be made in the family or things that needs to be done, I want you to know that God lets us know what we need to know. You believe that? He would not be God or just if he did not equip us with what we have need of to pass this life. But we see that it is... Uh, uh, godly intuition, uh, a gift from God that God has given mothers to take care of our family. Our children are grown, children are grown adults, uh, married children or wherever, etc. God gives us those things. We, we, we as people of God, we are not nonchalant to this world and what's going on. If God doesn't give you that intuition, he comes to you through dreams and through visions. You understand that? God can give you a precise dream over a circumstance. And it will be spot on every time because you seek and desire truth uh, as the head of your household. 
I believe as parents we ought to be praying night and day that God fill us with directives for our families and our households. Lord, whatever you have to do, give me a dream or give me a vision or whatever it is. Come to me, God, and speak to me and let me know what I can do to be of a help and support to bridge up the gaps in our families. I believe fathers are important in family, in families as well. And you understand that if a father is neglecting to pray his children through to the Holy Ghost, then the mothers will have no other choice but to fill in the gap as well. The whole responsibility uh, is not just also on the fathers, but on the mothers as well. It is so easy as people of God to shirk a responsibility, to allow everyday life, uh, business, and cares, and just uh, the things of this world to cumber our minds. We can be some, become so cumbered with life itself. You understand that we're busy with busyness and not moving anywhere closer to the presence of God. If what we're doing, we become so busy with busyness that we're not getting closer to Almighty God, then it's time for you and I to take some uh, inventory and examine ourselves. And say, God, examine me, Lord. I, I want to make sure that uh, I, 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 I'm where I need to be with God and the responsibility that God has placed upon our shoulders. And we see that it's so easy uh, for the head of the household to become cumbered and lose that uh, desire or that fervency to be certain that the family has been prayed through. The family's been instructed. The family's cared about. The family is reached out to. Sometimes that's all children need from us is for us to reach out to them and to tell them we love you and we're praying for you and we're here for you. And I'm speaking about adults, children now. To those in our household, all they need from us is for us to tell them, listen, I don't know all the pain that you feel but I, I think I understand that you're hurting. You realize that we have so many hurting people in churches today? Young ladies, young men are hurting because they feel the pressure of the society upon their lives. And they're going to other things to fulfill that. And they're soon finding out that nothing in this world will ever satisfy you but Jesus Christ and godly teaching. The world don't have the answer. Pardon me. They're crying out weekly. I'll tell you, this is a weekly matter that's going on. I've got my phone set to where new alerts will come up on families. It's on a daily basis. I'm getting alerts of the crisis in America and the churches. What is it? The world is falling apart. And the churches are falling apart. But God is raising up sound, stable, Holy Spirit people that's rising up to meet the challenge of this age. You believe that? Listen, materialism doesn't satisfy and pacify that, that, uh, that quest inside uh, 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 of our children. You know what satisfies it? Jesus Christ. The best thing you can do for your children is to pray them through to the Holy Ghost. Giving them everything in this world would never satisfy them because it only lasts temporarily. 
It only satisfies just for a moment. You can't buy their happiness. You can't buy their satisfaction. The only thing that will meet that satisfaction is a fulfillment of the Holy Spirit. You believe that? Let's take an example. Exodus chapter 4 and verses 24. We notice now this was at the time of the great prophet uh, Moses. And he was busy with busyness trying to uh, bring a message to Pharaoh. And in doing so, he neglected his, uh, his leadership as uh, the caregiver, the priest of his house. And in our chapter, it gave the last judgment that will come upon Israel, Pharaoh's house, if he did not let the children of Israel go. And that was God will strike the firstborn of every family. In so doing, he was in the line of duty, but God still required him to be the caregiver, the priest of his household. And uh, Pharaoh even decreed the last judgments. Let the firstborn die. Not realizing he was uh, bringing judgment into place. And it was his own firstborn that died that night of the Passover. But not only him. You understand that the judgments of God will pass over both the believer and the unbelievers. And only the token will stand. But Moses had now neglected to do what God had instructed all of Israel to do. And that was to circumcise the, uh, the, the firstborn son. The male had to be circumcised. Notice here in Exodus chapter 4 as we look at the passage now. And it came to pass by the way, by the way in the end that the Lord met Moses now. And sought to kill him. Understand this. This man was a spiritual man. This man was a godly man. But you see God will not turn. And look the other way. Even though Moses was a prophet. God required this law for all of Israel. And so it is this evening. That God requires uh, his law. And order and discipline. To be given to every family. Not just one. All family must come under this order. And here is, here is Moses. Now you would think that God actually sought. God sought to kill Moses while Moses was in the line of duty. Because Moses had stepped out of line of God's ordinance for his own household. This is frightening. Very devastating. You understand now then Zipporah, his wife, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband thou art to me. So he let him go. Then she said, A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. What was it? Moses had failed to uh, circumcise his son and that was immediate death when the judgment of God was passing. Not only Pharaoh's son was going to die, but Moses' son. You see, friends, God excludes none of us when it comes to family and order and things being properly, uh, properly done in our lives. God desires this. But understand that the excuse 
uh, it was for, for Moses, but God, but but a mother, hallelujah. That's what I'm speaking of. A mother saw the need of her household, and she grabbed a hold of her son and circumcised him. What am I saying tonight? If the father fell, the mother can come through. There are no excuses when it comes to households and family and order in God's church. You believe it? God doesn't wink and doesn't say, okay, I'm just going to pass over this and wink of this now. No, God says uh, he wants us all to come to that place where his law covers every one of us and his grace cover every one of us. And understand now, the Bible says there that she cut off the foreskin of her son. She circumcised her son. We are seeing too many disorderly and dysfunctional homes today. It, it is, it's way too much, friends. And too many excuses are, 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 being, are being made for our families being the way it is. It don't have to be that way. If the father neglect, then the mother's to come through. If the mother fail, then the father is to come through. You see, it's, it's a partnership when you enter into a relationship to bring children into this world. You didn't, you didn't just bring child, a child in this world uh, like Mary did. It wasn't just a, it, 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 it was a miracle that happened, but the greatest miracle is a man and a woman can bring forth offspring in this generation. And God holds us accountable for it. You know, each morning in the last few weeks, I awake with this heaviness in my spirit just to be drawn closer to God, just to pray my children through, to pray my grandchildren, to pray my church through to the Holy Ghost. Because, friends, I can pray for you for a lot of things. And I can ask God for a lot of things in your lives. But the most important thing is that God seal you with the Holy Spirit. And you become so possessed by the Holy Ghost. You believe that? In the meanest man in Santa, Rose, uh, Santa Maria, Brett Bram says, everybody's doing their own thing. There you are. There's no home life, no prayer life. It's not the order of the traditional American home anymore. Everybody's doing their own thing. Everybody's coming in at whatever time doing their own thing. We know God has an order. God has an order for His church. You know, the family, traditional family, uh, mama prepares the meal and dad sits at the head of the house and he reads the scripture and prays over the meal and everyone takes their place and they bless the meal and have a dinner together. That's almost foreign in America anymore. Junior is doing his own thing, and, and, and sister is, is on, the, on, the, on the phone doing our own thing. Somebody sent me a picture here at Thanksgiving. People are having family Thanksgiving with a whole slew of people. Everybody's on their phone, and they're having family Thanksgiving. This is the, what America and the church has become. And Brother Bram said, everyone's doing their own thing. Isn't that right? We all are caught up in our own things. We are all caught up in what we have going on. We all have an agenda. But God is saying, my word is the agenda. 
My word is the absolute. Are you following me tonight? I love what Brad Brown put it in perspective. He said, everyone's doing their own thing. There you are. There's no home life, no prayer life. I want to thank God for our godly wife tonight. She's such a stickler, still is, on, on meal time and prayer time. And nobody was actually allowed to get a plate and go in their room. That, that's a no-no in my house. Amen. After 35 years, we, we have a meal and we sit down together and we eat a meal together and we pray together. But I'm afraid the churches have gone a long way from this sort of order in their families. Everybody just does. What kind of family is that? We are to have family time together. You believe it? I believe it is the parents' duty to make a home for their families. And the home is not judged by the size of it. The home is... Judged by character, not the size of it. You can take any place and make it a home. Because home is the character that's inside of it. Listen, I've got to teach you these things because these are, these are, these are lost truths that have been lost through our churches and in our message. And the world certainly has lost it. But we have these values that we must teach within our church of the generation that is coming up under us. What's going to happen to our world, friends? What's going to happen to our churches? I pray to God that he'll help us to heed godly teaching and to stay with godly principles uh, this evening. Let me give you a place. I love this. Red Bram said in a message, faith is the substance, 19 and uh, 47. But it doesn't take a big house to make a home. It's the character on the inside that makes a home. Praise God. Oh, it's the character inside that makes the home. And Brother Bram talked about uh, our sister, Aunt Jemima there in Memphis. He said he walked into King's palaces and, and all sorts of mansions and, 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 and beautiful places. But when he walked into that home, he said, uh, you can see the crease and, and, and the floor. You can see the ground, the light shining through uh, the, the, the creases in the house. and Just a simple little house, but there was a sign up in the house, God bless our house. Hallelujah. You know what, friends? It's character that counts. It's character that counts. So it doesn't take a big house to make a home. It's a character on the inside that makes a home. Our home's where we live. The character of it. It's where God wants us to dwell and develop these principles within these places. You believe that? Hallelujah. Listen, I've been a lot of places. The Lord has blessed me to be able to travel around the world in different places. And I'll tell you what, some of these homes that I've been in, some of the third world countries, just you walk inside and there's not much, but you can feel such a power of God's presence in those places. And you know those families have been praying and calling on God. And it's a home where the angel of God can visit that place. You understand where I'm going? You see, many as often blame their families for the way that they turn out. And that's not altogether true, friends. It's not altogether true. 
You can't blame your family because of the way they turn out. It's not true because we have something to contribute to the family of God. You realize that we're all contributors to the body of Christ? Every one of you that is in this building tonight is a contributor to the kingdom of God. Your prayer life, the life you live, how you live, your attitude, your demeanor, what you bring into the house of God, you're a contributor to that. So bring a good spirit in the house of God. When you do, then God can move amongst us. We can contribute something to the house of God. Are you with me now? Brett Branham shared, I thought this was very striking. Brett Branham shared how far along with the Lord he could have been if he had a Christian home in uh, God's provided way in 1953. He said, I tell you, parents, you put the right kind of a home before your children. That's the thing to do because if I had had a Christian home, I'd been reared in, perhaps I'd been further along with our Lord Jesus tonight, and many more people would have been saved. You see, what I'm saying is, it is what we contribute to our family that counts. Our prayer, our devotion, our dedication, the way we conduct ourselves, the things we condone and not condone, the things we endorse or not endorse. They contribute to the entire family makeup tonight. Are you following me tonight, friends? And what we set before our children is what they will turn out to be tonight. What we set before our family is what they will turn out to be. And I assure you, if you have grown family, grown children, adult children who are married, they're still looking to us. As, as, as Christian parents, for examples, to see how we would handle certain situations. They really do. They'll test us to see how we will handle certain situations. Even though perhaps they have a life of their own, they know the origin of their family, and they look to us for leadership. I love what Brother Bram said there. You know, he, he just... He just brought that home so beautiful. He said, uh, he said, I've been reared up. Perhaps I've been further along with our Lord Jesus Christ. And many more people would have been saved. What is he saying? He wished he had a godly Christian parent that will tell him the truth, whether it hurts or not. You know, you have to tell them the truth. Truth hurts. But I want you to understand that people want you to tell them the truth. They would rather you tell them the truth than to tell them a lie. Lies are dangerous, friends. To tell a lie is very detrimental to one's life. It's a dangerous thing to tell a person a lie. Do you know that? There's a lot that's involved when you tell a lie. When you tell a lie, there's a lot that is at stake. There's a lot of things that is at jeopardy when you tell a lie and not the truth. When your teenagers or your adult children come to you and ask you certain things and you don't tell them the truth, there's a lot of things that are at stake. Because God wants us to be stewards of his kingdom, to be giver and contributors of things that are the very nature of Almighty God. Are you with me now? I like that. He said, I went further along. If I had a Christian home, meaning a Christian mother that will tell him the truth, a Christian father that will tell him the truth. 
Oh, I love it when my girls were at home. My, my wife still does the same thing, you know. Uh, they'll put on two pairs of shoes, one in this hand and one the other one. And they already know what they want, but they'll ask you, which one do you think looks the best? And when you tell them the wrong one, it's like, well, I know I should have chosen the other one. You see, because, but they're wanting you to tell them the truth. They want you to tell them what you see before them. And I, I love it. I enjoy it because sometimes I like to tease with that. Jonathan, you do it too sometimes. We all do as, as, as husbands. But they're actually looking for uh, uh, acceptance and approval from you as the father. And so it is in a, in a general family. Families are looking for truth. Are you with me now? So what we said before, family is what they will turn out to be. Understand that images are very crucial in the formative and developing minds of children, young adults, and grown adults. In humans, the visual system collects up to 80% of all sensory data received from the environment. And the brain and mind are the storage memory bank and visual processing center. You see it downstream and upload events and images. And this data is stored in a network of the brain and the mind. Circumstances can trigger behavioral uh, uh, events, relevant information from what we see, hear, or touch. I'm talking about what we said before our children are images. That control events and reality of life. And images stored in our minds can be stimulated and influence our present and our future. So easy what, what, we, what, we, what we place before our children. What we place before our children is actually going into their imaginary conscience, into that area of their minds, and it is stored there. And if what is placed there as children or what they see as offsprings, they store these things in their minds. And when events and things begin to transpire, it, the, the brain and mind actually pulls to surface those things that are there. And those imagery conversations are things then give suggestion to the minds of people what they should do because it influences the minds. This is why I don't say here, but this is why it's so important for even uh, husbands and wives to conduct themselves in a moral way, a behavioral way in the presence of their children, the way they dress and the way they act, uh, even through in their intimate life that they guard those areas 
uh, very privately because when a child is growing up and they see certain imagery, it pulls those things into their minds. And as their hormones begin to develop, it causes immaturity to their sensuality. And now uh, the central part of their life is warp-sided because of an image that they saw at a tender age that they should not have viewed. You understand what I'm saying? As a result of that, these uh, children suffer with high levels of sexuality because of the imagery that is placed before them as children, as teenagers. We are to guard those areas of our lives very, very carefully in our lives. Listen, I'm preaching from experiences. And I'm telling you, I've dealt with many, many cases uh, of children today who suffer from high level of sexuality that has really affected their walk uh, with God and being functional in life because of saints and images uh, that actually was portrayed to them in a way that became perverted. And today, they suffer with those things. Are you following me now? Look, I'm sorry, I have to be explicit, but I have to be very, very plain to you tonight. I told you, we're going to be on this for a while. And I'm just going to tell you the truth. And I'm going to warn you as parents, how you need to conduct yourself before your daughters and your sons and your children. Because you've got offsprings that are coming up. You understand what I'm saying? Friends, it's very important. You know, I I thought that it's, as, as I speak on this, that, the images store in our minds can be stimulated and influence our presence and our future. It's very important. It's very important what goes on in your house. It's a preacher. That's none of your business. It's God's business. Because, friends, it affects the family on a level that's, that's severe. It can be a negative effect, effect on the family if we're not careful. Husbands and wives are to guard those, those intimate area of their lives with all of their, all of their lives covered as, 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 as much as you can as children of God. The children in this generation are coming up with so many things they're seeing already uh, on their phones and on their devices. And, and to even have those things uh, in our home being uh, vocalized, it creates a stimulates uh, sensuality and arouse the children at an immature age that causes problems. That's why the young teenagers are wanting to, uh, wanting to be with boys or the boys are wanting to be with girls because their hormones are raging. As I said, that's the teenagers. Number one, I love language is, uh, is, is to touch and feel and, and to desire and to, and to want because they're already built with these things inside of them. Are you following me tonight? Listen, I'm not speaking out in the myth. I know where I'm coming from tonight. The result of a lot of problems I deal with in churches with grown families and grown adults and teenagers is matters of which I speak of tonight. And it goes deep. It really does. It goes deep. What we set images are very important. It's very important that we understand that God wants us to uh, come to this place to understand what we said before our families, what, uh, the, how they will turn out to be. See what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? 
Let me give you an example. I knew a family that of a mother and a father who raised their daughter in the ways of the Lord, strictly raised their daughter in the ways of the Lord. They'd done everything they could. The mother never wore pants. The mother never uh, dressed like the world. They did everything. But this daughter had cousins. And these cousins, the, the mother would allow her daughter to be with the cousins that wore these slacks all the time. The mother was not very careful to teach that child that that's not the way, not only the way we dress, but God's word forbid it. But you understand the influence from that cousin affected that daughter. And it wasn't very long. She was slipping off wearing pants. Oh, I know this confession. You see, because sometimes, let me tell you something. You think, oh, I've got family. You have to be very careful who you allow your children to be around. Because spirits are real and influence are real. And even though you've guarded every area of your lives, you've got to understand that the power and pressure and influence from the outside can affect the way a child is. You know that. And go on and on about stories. Amen. I would affect young men because they were around certain influence of other cousins. And friends, I tell you, this is why God says you've got to separate sometimes. And people don't like when you preach like this. But sometimes you've got to draw the line and say, you know what? I'll stand for what is right. I'm not going to endorse certain behaviors because it will carry a negative effect upon my family. You understand what I'm saying? Families are important. I can't hardly see your faces. This light is so bright. But I hope you're taking in what I'm saying. It's very important. Many of you have asked your your parents, you don't understand why your parents didn't allow you to be with certain cousins if they were Christians. But you grow up today to know why. Because you see the road that they have been down. And you as parents have to institute the same value in your families to know not that you're being mean or you don't want uh, people to, uh, to, to family to be families or enjoy. I'm all about families. But when family affects the functionality of your immediate family, then sometimes you have to sever relationships. Am I telling you the truth? What we said before our children is what they will turn out. Let me give you an example of my own. It's fine. You can keep the lights on. Let me tell you, let me tell you something. Well, let me give you an example of my own family. Okay, my dad, uh, origin, his father from Ishmael, down there were Muslims. They were strict Muslims. They carry on um, uh, uh, Muslim feast and, and mask and every such things. My dad had uh, three brothers, uh, three or four brothers. And there, one of them, one or two of them were Christians. Some of the others, the elders, they were not Christians. And under my name and my generation, I'll tell you the truth that backslid went back into the world and back into Mohammedism. Um, it came to a place to where I grew up in a village having brother, uh, uh, boys, cousin like myself. And we played together and we served God together as long as they were in church. But friend, I tell you this, my dad had to make a decision on our family. Even when my other uncles and, and my cousins 
who are, are successful men today, very successful men today, grown men. There came a time where mama had to put her foot down and say, you know what, you soft. We can't have these boys around such influence in the stride of their lives. Tell you, friends, I'll tell you one of the saddest things. At the age of seven, I can vividly remi- remember when we had to sever family. I have many boy cousins, many successful businessmen in this nation, New York, and around the world. And even today, at the age of almost 56, I don't have any correspondence or have no connection with either of them because uh, there was a severness in the relationship. That mama thought it was important that we sever this relationship. And I'll tell you the truth. For the little bits that my older brothers, a bit brother has been around it and sibling, it affected their lives. I'll tell you what, it affected their lives. But when mama made the decision, friend, it saddens my heart. Sometimes I even Google it. I wonder where my cousins are. I wonder where they are. No connection. Why? How can two walk together unless they agree with the word? It's the truth. It's the truth. But mama was a strong Christian. And dad was a strong Christian. Hallelujah. And the relationship had to be severed. Every one of them, each one, went back into their own thing. Today, I probably would have been influenced by that had it not been a godly mother who saw how the effect of influence can pull us away from the things of God. It's important, friends. It's important what we what we put before our children. It's sad, but it's the truth. That's a very sad story. I don't tell you that story with joy because I love my cousins. I love every one of them, but on the Hammett side, I have no connection. There's no, zero connection where it came to because every one of them came out of hedonism and such like and worship images and, and bow down to uh, Mohammed and all these different things. We can't walk together because of these things. But mama saw a need where something needs to be done. What we set before our children is what, where, what they will become. They will turn out exactly that way. Images stored in our minds can be stimulated and, uh, and affect us. Let me give you a story and I'll close. This is all right. Can I have about 10 more minutes? Let me, let me just give you a little, let me just give you a little something before we close. Brother Bram shared a story of a Navy boy and I want you to listen to it. I was reading an article in uh, Elijah the Prophet. I was reading an article where uh, there was a home and five boys were born in this home. And as soon as their oldest one got old enough to go to the, uh, to the Navy, off the Navy he went. The second one followed, the next one, until all five went away to the Navy. There was no Marine or there was no Marine, no Navy men in their family. Mother and father couldn't understand just why these, uh, these uh, people, these boys, everyone wanted to go to the Navy. There was a real fine combing investigation made of it. And come to find out, in the bedroom where these boys all was brought up, in this bedroom, there's a beautiful big picture hanging there of a big ship sailing on a quiet Calm sea. And it so impressed the boys as they went to bed at night looking at the picture. It was on their mind uh, to sail that quiet, soothing sea. 
Along the morning when they arose, the first thing they would look at was the ship making her way through the quiet, calm sea. And it impressed the boys so that each one became a sailor. Now, if a picture of a ship will impress boys to become navy men, sailors of the sea, what ought the picture of Jesus Christ do? See, always have the right thing before your children. Bring up a child in a way it should go. See, bring up, teach them the right thing. It certainly won't depart from them. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? There was no sailors, no navy, no marine, no shipmen, nothing in that genealogy. But these five boys, because of this image that was placed before them, conformed to that image that was there. You understand, friends, what we set before our children, they will conform to those things. They will come to those things. What are we, what are we bringing before our families? What has been passed before America? American idols. Influencers, fashion designers, fashion models, sex appeal, athletes, athlete stars, beauty, beauty queens, beauty pageants, Miss Universe. All these things are right there before the eyes of this generation. No wonder that young girls are thirsting to want to look like that and to want to become that. But you know the real image they're looking for is an image of Jesus Christ through their father and their mother modeled before them. None of this. Look at it. Look at the world. The world talking about Miss Universe. There's only one Mr. Universe, and that's Jesus Christ. There's only one Miss Universe, and that's the bride of Jesus Christ. You believe it? But the world is propagating these things. Look at the beauty. Back in the days, Pearl Harbor and, and Pearl White and Mona Lisa were the, were the sex appeal. You look at their pictures today, they're, they're anti-compare to the beauty of this generation. But this is constantly being pushed before this generation. Isn't that, isn't that right? There's not a, one of these girls in this church that's not beautiful, but yet the devil will tell them, you're not pretty enough. Or somebody else is prettier than you. You know what? Because that's Satan's agenda to point you to a false image. But the image that God is raising up is models and examples in this generation. People that will raise up and say, follow me as I follow Christ. Isn't that amazing how the human mind works? Isn't that amazing how it works? And the images that we, we bring and the images that the world, look at what the world is after. Everything is image, American idols. Images on every corner. American this, American that, this image, that image. But the true one lim- image is the image of Jesus Christ. That God condescended in a body called Jesus Christ and expressed the perfect imagery that should be upon our minds tonight. You believe him? You love him tonight? God bless you. I love you. Give the Lord a clap offering as our musicians come. Let's all stand. Oh, my, my, my. Time just moves so fast when you're preaching the word, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, glory. You appreciate the Lord tonight? Amen. Amen. May God help us. God help us all. Uh, 
I keep, I keep trying to get through the material he's given me, and I just touch a little smidge of it every Wednesday night, but I trust that you, you're drawing strength from what I'm saying tonight, and understanding how important it is that we, we stay with God's order and God's discipline. We'll just see where the Lord will take us uh, next Wednesday, I think. I believe we have communion next Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, we'll pick this back up. Is that all right? It's not striking our brother Ram told that story, brother Matt. Five boys. Why do these boys want to be mariners? Amen. But here was an image. That struck home so strong to me today. It's like, oh God, help me to be an image. I want to be an image. I want to be an image, Lord. I want to be an image. Hallelujah. Not of this world, but I want to be an image of Jesus Christ. That my church, my family, my wife, my grandchildren can look and say, you know what? That's the real image I want to be. The image of Jesus Christ in this age. The Lord bless you real good. We appreciate it. Let's sing us a little song before we go tonight. I realize I'm throwing out a lot there to you. But just bear with me and we'll get through all of this by the grace of God. How many are still enjoying these messages? God bless you. You'll be blessed. Remember, therefore you're good. It's never to hurt you. It's to make you better better Christians in Christ to serve him wholeheartedly and to love him and just the last two mornings I just just can't seem to sleep just rolling over in my bed and just thinking about Christ just thinking about who he is and what he's done and what how he's gathering a people in this age and just such a heavy burden on my heart to see the church come into the statue of a perfect man and praying daily just Fasting, praying to the Lord, oh God, bring us to that place, Lord. Take away from our minds anything that is non-essential. Let Jesus Christ be the ultimate. You know, these messages are for you tonight. God gives them for me, to, to me for you, so that they can bless you and uplift you and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Let's sing a, a song before we go tonight. Don't lose your vision. Just keep your eyes ever on Him. Oh God, help us, Jesus. Many friends and dear loved ones, they have lost their way.
sing it together. Raise your hands. Don't lose. Don't lose your vision of Jesus. Keep your eyes ever on Him. you understand church that there is a concern that God wants us to have as people of God not just parents it's accountability accountability towards each other and God wants us to understand that we're not to lose that desire and become careless about life itself to where it not only affect us but everything that's around us you realize that when carelessness is let down it affects not only you but everything that's some of the examples I brought tonight uh, some of them I wouldn't even speak of to pollute your mind but I can tell you stories after stories of things affect people it's important to listen to heed to God and realize that we are to be careful of our action, our behaviors, how we conduct ourselves, how we carry ourselves, how we present ourselves. As I said some weeks back, somebody said, I live and die to myself. No one lives and dies to themselves. We're accountable. We're stewards of God. And you might be here and say, well, you know, none of what you're preaching pertains to me. I assure you it does. I can go deep down into your origin, put up some things that you don't realize that was there by the help of God and bring some solutions to your life but may God help us to not lose that concern and just be careless in life but pardon me to be sober to be vigilant and to walk before him circumspectly tonight is that your heart desire just to walk before God circumspectly God bless you let's bow our heads just for a moment our heavenly father I bring the church, Lord, to these thoughts and inspiration that you have placed within my spirit. And so much more I can embark on, Lord, but just being very careful how I walk. Knowing that we're in a mixed audience. But I ask you, Lord, that you will give wisdom and spoken word to the areas that I've never even spoken on tonight that you'll be the teacher of the church of this congregation. Bless us, Lord. Go with us. Bless our families. Bring us all under the headship of the Holy Spirit, Lord, realizing that what I speak of tonight is for every one of us because every one of us make up the family of God and every one of us need each other, Lord, because I believe every one of us will have to come into the image of The statue of a perfect man. Oh God to bring down Christ again. To take us up into the rapture. 
And I pray you'll bless us and help us. And uh, may the word spoken on tonight be a reality in the lives of the people, Lord. And may they hold on to it. Grasp a hold of it, Lord, with everything in them. And cry out to God and say, Lord, change me and mold me and make me into the image of Jesus Christ. Bless us, Lord. Be with us as we go. Give us traveling mercies home. May your presence, your protection, and your provision go with us. Bring us back on Sunday morning at the appointed time. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and the church says, amen and amen. I, I believe that we have a, um, a reminder here. Uh, this Sunday we'll be lifting the um, offering for uh, Brother Prem down in Guyana to help them there with their church uh, bathroom, the tile. So if you, you remember to do so, if you save a little penny or something back to give to the missionary, God will bless you for the best this Sunday. And also next Wednesday night, we'll plan to have communion, the Lord helping us, permitting us. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. We love each and every one of you. Shalom to you.